Welcome to the Slow Goods Podcast, where we love to talk all about Maine, quality craftsmanship, and timeless design, and how these three things often intersect. Along the way, we'll hear some inspiring and authentic stories, and if we have ears to hear, gain some wisdom as well. I'm your host, Logan Ratcliffe, and today I'm excited to dig in with Christine Held and Cam and, and Cam Held, newly both Helds, um, <laughs> congratulations, from Maine the Way. Maine the Way is an online blog and print periodical that showcases the beauty of Maine, both wild and serene, through stunning photography and storytelling. Through the publication, Christine and Cam have paired the concept of slow journalism with the fast-paced consumption of digital media to create a multifaceted and timeless view of this beautiful place. Welcome, guys. <laughs> Thanks for having us. Yeah, thank you. Nice but, intro. Yeah, well, I can't take all the credit for that. I mean, we've got a good team, but uh, yeah, thank you so much for coming. It really means a lot. And, uh, you know, I've been a fan of you guys for a long time. And <clears throat> I can remember my wife first showed me your, you know, your catalog, um, if that's what you call it. But the, I'm just like, wow, it's kind of blown away. And you guys might have reached out to do something with us. But at the time, we were just <laughs> super new and young. It was just like, we're just trying to keep up. Yep. Like, we're, we're a small business. We know that well. When yeah, you're a small well. team, you're just putting one foot in front of the yeah, other. So. Yeah. So, uh, but anyway, um, yeah. So, you know, we did the intro, but we'd love to just hear a little bit more about, you know, you know, if go super broad or deep, whatever you guys want to say just about yourselves and kind of how you ended up where you are, or maybe, maybe just start to maybe a little bit more about main the way. Um, if, if there's any more left to tell there. Yeah. <laughs> we could kind of tell the, the intro story of how we got going with the brand and awesome. Yeah. Yeah. Like your your intro to this line of work yeah. started quite young. Well, I guess yeah. So my my journey with photography started when I was around three. Mm -hmm. I watched a program with my family uh, that showcased a National Geographic photographer, mm -hmm. and I told my parents that night I was like, "I'm going to be a National Geographic photographer," and they oh, were really? like, "Okay, wow. you know, as you do with a young kid, just um, it's great to have a dream and." Yeah. The interesting thing was that kind of always stayed my passion. So, uh, you know, got a camera, a film camera early on, then a small digital camera, mm -hmm. and just followed that passion through uh, school. And um, as a teen, I was lucky enough to join a National Geographic um, youth uh, experience that went to Ecuador and the Galapagos. Wow. And worked with a National Geographic photographer there. Mm-hmm. And so that was kind of my path. And that's how I found my way to Maine. I was picking their brain about okay. what they wanted in a photographer. So whether mm -hmm. I should be going to art school or... Um, National some, Geographic's brain? Yep, okay. yep. I was kind of asking them, like, what do you look for in a photographer that you're trying to hire? Okay. And they said, get a background in sciences or history or something to inform your photography. Okay. So I ended up here in Maine at Bates College. Um, studying geology and wildlife biology and photography and film and uh, fell in love with Maine. Cool. And Where are you from? Upstate New York originally. Okay. So, oh, it's beautiful up there. Yeah. yeah. Similar, I always say it's like similar rolling countryside, oh, yeah. forests, uh, farmland, but we don't have the ocean there. So, <laughs> Right. Um, it is beautiful though. Yeah. Yeah. It's, uh, we, we spent a little time there, our family, a couple years ago. We just took some time and just two weeks and we looked all over and then I <clears throat> got a car for my wife and came through and I was just like, man, it's awesome. Yeah. I just love it up there. Yeah. It's, it's gorgeous. Yeah. 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 
How about you, Christine? Okay, yeah. So, I mean, I always just... Like, oh, yeah, okay. So I... Yeah, so I always had a passion for photography. My mom's nickname in our family was The Snapper, and they're probably, like, 70 photo albums from my childhood until she switched to a digital camera. Wow. So I just loved, like, documenting things and definitely got that from her, um, but never wanted to pursue it as a career, actually, um, until I met Cam, and he had all the nice lenses and fancy equipment that made sort of the barrier to entry to photography Mm -hmm. easier. I just got a body, um, a camera body and used his equipment, um, and kind of like followed it from there. We, I actually had the platform made the way I had started the Instagram account a handful of years before we met and, um, was just sort of running it as like a, curation of photos to showcase the beauty that Maine had to offer and Mm -hmm. um when we met Cam actually didn't even have Instagram so I didn't tell him about (laughs) Maine the way for a while because it was sort of like just this side interest of mine it wasn't a business it you know didn't have legs at all Mm -hmm. um but then once we met and started dating and like we're talking about our dreams the idea of kind of developing this platform that I had created to showcase Maine into something a little deeper just came to us. And we went from Instagram to a print publication and the time when all the other magazines and newspapers were folding. And Mm -hmm. it just felt like Maine was a place that people appreciated, like slowing down and, you know, kind of getting off that fast pace, um, fast track or whatever. And, and yeah, now that was probably seven years ago that we launched the print or I don't know, a while ago, yeah. but, and it's, you know, we've had many iterations from there, but that's, I guess, the journey to where we are today. Yeah. So what, <laughs> why did you, st- you, you said you kind of created this as a side thing. What was the, what, yeah. you know, what was the, why did you start it? I was in college at the time and just looking for an outlet to kind of capture my creative interest. And Mm -hmm. I was actually just scrolling through Instagram, looking at all the amazing places around the world, like Bali and the Pacific Northwest and just these other locations that really had captured their landscape, like photographers flocked to them, Iceland, and it it looked so amazing. And I was like, I want to go see the world. But then, you know, my family's in Maine. I grew up here and I was like, this place is amazing too. And at the time it didn't feel like there was anyone sort of showcasing the main that I knew and loved. Mm-hmm. And so I just decided to start this account and, um, and, it, and I was featuring other people's photos. I honestly wasn't featuring my own a ton. And that was kind of a thing early on, on Instagram. And, um, it was really special to hear people comment like, Oh, my grandmother used to like live there. Or mm-hmm. I, you know, we used to do this and there's, there was just such a nostalgia with everywhere that we shared and it, you know, it felt special and, and I've felt that way about Maine and everyone that, you know, has a, an experience here. It seems like, yeah. you know, is so proud of those memories and, um, and so, yeah, it's a, it's a special place to kind of nurture the, that relationship. Mm-hmm. So you'd seen other things like that for area specific and you're yeah. just like, why not Maine? Yeah. You're from Maine? You're from Maine. Yeah. Where, where are you from? I grew up in Freeport. Okay. Yeah. 
Yeah, and you, you went to school here? I went to high school here and then moved away for college mm -hmm. and spent some time in Europe and kind of traveled around and thought I would um, do a lot more traveling, but we met um, just after I graduated and he quickly pulled me back to Maine and mm -hmm. it just felt like it was like, this is where I knew I wanted to end up eventually. I, you know, and when we when I moved back, I was like, I'm, I'm never leaving and mm -hmm. yeah. So that is really cool that you both wanted to be photographers early on yeah. and then you stuck. Uh, I think it's so neat when people like right from the get-go, like I'm yeah. going to do this and they stay in it. It's a funny thing, you know, on the one hand, it's easy to say like, yes, it's been photography all along. But also within that, you're always still finding your path. Mm -hmm. And, you know, I've dabbled in wedding photography and yeah. uh, more corporate stuff and um, fine art gallery work and then have kind of landed here which is more or less where I wanted to go but mm -hmm. I think even when you do have a more straightforward path of like this is what I want you don't get there in a straight line right um, that's true well when you say wedding photography what it, it doesn't seem like that would be your passion but like in the photography world that I don't know much about it but that seems like that is something that is a pretty rock solid thing that you know, this is something that people are going to spend money on photos on. So if I want to be a photographer, like this is something yeah. that, that, you know, it's a, it's a great place to be. But I think some people are more passionate about f photographing other things, mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. right? But so I heard a little bit about your story. You have mm -hmm. a little more on your story, Christine, like growing up and... and uh, yeah, well, so <clears throat> I, yeah, I grew up in Freeport. Mm -hmm. We had to play sports every season um, at my high school. So I was always kind of trying different things. I was a swimmer in the winter and that was always consistent, but my spring and fall mm -hmm. changed around a bunch. And I feel like I was always just kind of exploring like what I was interested in. And um, I ended up transferring colleges even um, too. And then in I took a gap year in between and was mm -hmm. living in Europe. And so um, it's funny to look back on that time. I kind of joke that I gave myself a liberal arts degree. Um, but there were a lot of themes. Like I was working on this farm in Italy and, you know, it was like about community and food. And then mm -hmm. I went to business school. And so there was this kind of like business component. And at the time it seemed like there were all these different boxes. And I was like, how does this all fit together? And, mm -hmm. but like, I wanted to go to business school and I had a corporate internship at like a sky in a skyscraper in Boston, <laughs> literally the summer after working on the farm. And it was like right. wow. the craziest ends of the spectrum. But, um, but I sort of like rode the wave and, and pursued these different tangents and mm -hmm. to see them kind of all come together with what we have in Maine the way and not all right now, but like just thinking about like our brand as it grows, like community and gathering and just being intentional and also business savvy. And, you know, it's cool to see how when I was growing up and I was just exploring my different passions, there was many years that it didn't make sense. Mm -hmm. And yeah, I don't know if that answered your question. Yeah, no, it's great. <laughs> so, and then the other thing I've heard you guys uh, touch on and then reading, you know, as you said, you know, we're journalists. So mm -hmm. we've heard a lot about photography, right? And you know, getting to kind of main the way. But so how did you, tran you know, why transition and how did you get into both journalism, right? Yeah, so that writing in general kind of became another interest of mine, especially mm -hmm. in my college years. Um, got really interested in uh, kind of non nonfiction writing and especially with a 
background in geology, I was really interested in climate science and um, how I could be, how I could make a difference without being a scientist. Mm -hmm. And it felt like one of the ways to do that was telling human stories that brought in other things I cared about, whether climate or food systems or, um, you know, all the other pieces. Mm -hmm. And I felt like telling real human stories was a way to do that. And so that kind of became this through line that um, we, so Christine had started Maine the Way, the okay. Instagram account, and she moved to Maine um, and was kind of in a career transition. And I was working as like a freelance doing, I was shooting for Folgers and Jack Daniels. Mm -hmm. and, um, not really the kind of photography that I wanted to be doing. Um, and so we were on this long road trip actually to upstate New York, I think. And we're just chatting about what our dream work looked like. Yeah. And we had seen some of these long form publications, especially out of Europe at the time, mm -hmm. that had done just amazing quality storytelling, beautiful design, great photography. Um, and we were like, well, we have a platform with I forget, 40 or 50,000 followers at the time. Mm -hmm. And we were already broke 24-year-olds. Right. And we were like, well, <laughs> what's the worst that can happen? <laughs> right, yeah. Um, that so is we, what's nice right there. Yeah. yeah. And she had been to business school, so we wrote up this business plan and then kind of pitched it to our parents and uh, then spent a year behind the scenes just trying to get it all rolling. Sure. Wow. Yeah. yeah, that was going to be my next question. How did yeah. you get to Maine the Way? But yeah. So you rolled that all into one. Sorry. I'm, so you were passionate. No, it was yeah. great. So you were passionate about telling a story through journalism. And yeah. So, and then you, Christine, um, have you, do you, do you do most of the writing? You're both journalists. You both do some copy too? Yeah. I mean, I write most of the like digital okay. stuff, emails, copy for social that mm -hmm. stuff. We um, kind of joke, and this isn't necessarily true, but for the most part is that I run the print publication and Christine runs everything else. Yeah. Um, she's much better at juggling everything, keeping the business afloat. I'd mm -hmm. be handing things out for free. Right. <laughs> yeah. Um, and yeah, so I do, I'm the like editor of the main print, but then mm -hmm. she obviously is sending more but emails and doing journalism. Copy yeah. skills for sure. No, yeah. I would not say <laughs> I do. Selling yourself I, short. Well, I've learned, I've grown. Well, you've done something. Them, but Cam actually brought it to my attention that I'm pretty dyslexic. And so reading and comprehension did not come easily to me in high school. And I was like math, business, like that whole side of the brain through school and in general school was not like my, I don't know, it's not where I thrived. And, and so it, find, it kind of like came to finding my own voice that mm -hmm. is, I feel like what unlocked my journalism approach is just, you know, a genuine interest and like hearing people's stories. I'm kind of, um, when you were asking the question before, what brought us to this journalism like path, yeah. we were on a road trip up in Newfoundland and we were just like, driving down through these small towns and there was this beautiful iceberg off of this dock. And so there was a guy that was, you know, in his little shack right next to the dock and we we're like, Hey, do you mind if we walk down your dock to like take a picture of this iceberg? And I was, you know, at the end of the dock and then Cam was chatting with him and he was like, do you want to come inside and like see what I'm working on? And we're like, definitely. And 
he was doing, he was building these like model boats. He was like a boat builder for his career and he's now retired. So he's just making models wow. of them. Mm -hmm. And but then, extraordinarily intricate. He's building wooden versions of the motors that then go inside the boat no that you don't way. even see, but you can like open the flap and wow. see. And like we were, I mean, it was yeah. the most amazing thing. And then him and his wife invited us into their home and we were having tea and like pull, they were pulling out their photo albums and they measured their family history like alongside what boat he was building at the time. So it was like, oh, like when we were both building this boat and our kids were this age right. or something. And and I feel like that was like kind of an aha moment before we had really like fleshed out the idea for the mm -hmm. publication where we're like, we just genuinely take an interest in people. And when you can make those connections, like better stories come and mm. it's so natural. And, you know, I feel like maybe in some parts of media there's just this like shove a microphone in somebody's face and try and get the sound bite approach and with a, yeah just, with agenda or something yeah just yeah. to get something yeah. <clears throat> yeah and it just feels different and I feel like we were like oh you don't have like you can just talk to people and let their story come out and if you express interest like and follow that lead it can take you to some really cool places so I feel like that was one of the early things where we were like oh this is how we like to interact with the world when we travel and when we're you know, spending a weekend just exploring. Mm -hmm. um, wow, that's great. Yeah, I'm glad I asked those questions because, like, <laughs> the formulation of Main the Way is all coming together to yeah. me now. So, <clears throat> um, so yeah, now you you guys have had these road trips and you said, hey, let's you contact your parents like to <laughs> yep. get this thing going. So, so what's next? Like, what was the first move? I mean, besides you know, like we're going to do this and figuring out money and and those things. Like, yeah. what's the next move? So the the first thing was reaching out to the people that we wanted to have in our first issue. Mm -hmm. And that was honestly kind of this leap of faith for the people involved because sure. especially at that phase, like um, I'm sure we'll, we'll get to this. It's but like, like you guys at this podcast, right? Yeah. Totally. Yeah. yeah. Of course. Um, yeah. It's cool. Thank you. We, we like believed in slow journalism and I, imagine we'll talk a little bit more about that yeah. later, but we were asking a lot of people's time, especially early on. I think now we've gotten to a place where we can streamline it. We can show up for four hours and, and get mm -hmm. comfortable with someone and, and tell the story. But for example, in our first issue, the kind of cover story, the thing that we were most excited about was this uh, piece about dog sledding in Western Maine. And so we ended up joining them for, I think four, four or five full days. Mm -hmm. Um, one full day with them and then another four-day trip out dog sledding and, and camping, winter camping with them. And that was a huge time investment, monetary investment. You know, they were taking us on these sleds that they could have had paying customers come on them. Oh, wow, yeah. And um, they took a leap of faith with us. And we, so that was like the, the next big thing is kind of pitching ourselves and our idea yeah two folks that we wanted to tell their story and get it out there and have them believe in us to, to do them justice. Right. Um, so there was kind of a year of, of working on stories there behind the scenes. Um, and you guys had me, were you able, we had other like normal jobs at that time still to keep things going? <clears throat> sort of. You were definitely still doing freelance and yeah. I got a job um, at Rosemont Market. Mm -hmm. We lived in the West End of Portland at the time. And that was perfect. I mean, yeah. it was nice to get out of the house and meet, you know, 
meet the community. And also like, I mean, I love just like working at a shop where there's a bunch of boxes and your job for the day alongside checking customers out is to put them on the shelves. Mm -hmm. And it was just very like kind of easy work when, and then we'd go home and then you get creative. Yeah. Yeah, Mm -hmm. That's great. So it it was a good balance for me to kind of, um, have like my, you know, that other job that could be. So you had a, so the goal was like the first publication. It's like yep. this is the first thing, right? Yeah. So what was that like? We need X amount of stories or how did that work? So we actually found this designer that was um, living in Portland and he had, um, he had designed other publications in a very similar style to what we were going for oh, and originally neat. cam was thinking that um he would do the design for the i had done some print design yeah. okay but then sat down you know we had we had finished a couple stories and i sat down to start designing them and i think i spent a week sitting there and laying things out Ugh. and it wasn't perfect but it was okay mm-hmm. but it took me forever and then we met with this danny Danny Designer. Cougar, shout Danny. out. Yeah. He really <laughs> established the visual language that we still use today. Mm-hmm. And we met with him, and 24 hours later, he was like, well, I have all 160 pages of the publication roughed out for you. They're not finished, but wow. come take a look at these. So he's and we were like, scale, yeah. That was a real learning moment of like, even if you can do everything, yeah. sometimes it's way better to have an expert who really knows what yeah. they're doing come in and they're more efficient. And I'm sure yours was much better. better. <laughs> yeah, but uh, I remember my wife designed a lot of our first like product catalogs yep. and stuff. And uh, you know, I can't remember. Was, you know, we started having kids. She just was tied up a lot more, and I'm like, oh, I can, I can do that. Mm-hmm. You know, and it took her a lot of time. I, I didn't think she wasn't doing anything awesome. I knew it was great, but I mm-hmm. just thought I could do it just <laughs> arrogance or what it was but <clears throat> I did one and as I did I have all these like certain aspects I was trying to get I'm like yeah this is great and I printed that thing I was like this is the worst thing anybody's ever made yeah. <laughs> I was like this is not my thing and I spent a lot of time I was like I don't need to do another one to figure that yeah. out yep. yeah and I was just no it is people you know everybody's gifted in different ways but. it's definitely valuable to know what you can and can't slash shouldn't do mm-hmm. for your business yeah. and yeah yeah so you have you got the design yeah and then we launched 160 it on pages yeah how many stories is that I think that first one was a couple more stories. If I recall, it was 12 maybe. And we've pared that down. We're still 160 pages. Okay. Um, but now we're often running slightly longer ones. And, mm. and I think the most recent issue is like nine stories. Something like deeper. But, yeah. yeah. Wow, 12 stories. Yeah. So, and you and you would spend four or five days with most of these people at the yeah, start? A lot of them. It was a big labor of love. So we launched on Kickstarter, which was amazing to have the... Uh. Um, uh, following on Instagram to kind of yeah take our business to the next level, which is so amazing that that's even a possibility. Right. Um, and it was really cool to kind of, you know, crowdfund our dream. Mm-hmm. Um, and then... Well, then it came out. Yeah. <laughs> so it yeah. came out before the holidays, and it yep. was like, but it was crazy. It was awesome. The goal, we launched that one um, fall, what, 2017? 2017, o- October 20- or November of 2017, yeah. that came out. And then 2018, we were planning on doing issue two, three, and four. And on January 3rd, we got in a really bad car accident. Mm-hmm. And so that, like, really stopped us in our tracks. Mm-hmm. And it was quite devastating because cam had a pretty serious brain injury and Mm. like 
the next edition of the publication was like resting on your shoulders and yeah. brain and you know especially even with insurance they're like oh like you know what's your salary and we're like nothing <laughs> right yeah we so. were hit by a stolen car it was pretty devastating i was at 60 percent brain function for a while and wow so issue two we you know we had put all our eggs in this basket and it yeah. needed to to happen and at that point i had basically stopped freelance I mean, I could sort of pick it back up again, but but you were all in on main. The but I was all in, yeah, and um, was not allowed to look at screens for like two or three months following mm -hmm. the crash. Uh. And so, issue two, I wrote on a typewriter because mm -hmm. um, wow. I just needed to get it out. Yeah. And um, so that's kind of a little yeah. funny, funny or not funny. Well, nugget it's all about part of the story. Exactly. We're talking about story here, yeah. I, and I just my heart goes out to you. I mean, yeah. my my. Mom and sister have both had serious, oh. you know, brain injuries, and they've had recoveries. Thankfully, my my mom should have been <clears throat> dad or vegetable wow. or something. But um, so yeah, we're thankful that. But uh, so I'm just you know I just feel that in my gut when you say yeah. it. But but uh, so glad you're here today. Yeah, yeah. So obviously fully functioning. Yeah. yeah. But uh, so yeah, then that happened, and then everything was online for. So did you miss any deadlines or anything? Or? Well, we were creating our own deadlines, but <laughs> right, we I was gonna definitely say, like, missed the ones that we were hoping for. Yeah. Um, so she too was late, and everything got pushed. But yeah. But it was like stressful. I like, would it think was a dark time to yeah. kind of have this new venture and then be stopped in your tracks, and you know it's sort of like, well, do we give up and count it as a loss? Right. And I feel like we just doubled down, and we're like, no, and you know, I feel like that in a lot of founder stories are just, you know you hear that where people have the kind of like moment that you really have mm -hmm. to recommit. And yeah, it was a, it was a grueling year to have to, you know, bring the second edition to our subscribers and our stockists and just mm -hmm. our business. Um, <clears throat> so the first one was a success to, did you have goals or what, you know, how did you kind of measure that? <laughs> we don't really we, do much of the data. We <laughs> didn't have any particular goals. Honestly, yeah. we just wanted to, have it be self-sufficient mm -hmm. and pretty much from the get-go it was mm -hmm. um that's a win and yeah <laughs> as an yeah. entrepreneur guess. and so yeah. we just wanted to see kind of steady growth and one of the things we've realized over the years is like uh maine in particular is very seasonal mm -hmm. and so early summer is a great time to release an issue mm -hmm. pre-holidays is a great time to release an issue nobody's here in february right <laughs> um so we've just learned to like tailor our schedule and and um, build things around uh, what works. But yeah, I would say uh, I guess it was a success in, did, in some sense. From the did they go outside of Maine much? Yeah. Okay. Far. Um, yeah. Like all all states, maybe twenty like, countries. Yeah. I think we're shipping okay. to right wow. now. Wow, that's exciting. Yeah. Um, so the lots of Canadians. <clears throat> so is it less seasonal now, or does it still the same? So it, when we started. It was a very ambitious goal. We were trying to do it quarterly, mm -hmm. um, so four issues a year, and we've now dropped to just one a year, um, which is much more sustainable. Mm -hmm. So now it's kind of a pre-holiday release okay. every year, um, and that allows me to help with all the other projects that we have going on in the brand now. Um, right. I was just, I was always behind on the next issue, perpetually, and could never catch up, and could never help you with any other project in the in the business mm -hmm. um 
so that's been really helpful that now we so now we what, can think outside of just the print publication. Yeah, you but went, still have sure. that to. You went from quarterly down one a year now, so you, I'm sure you're somewhere in between at times as you can. Yep. So what are those new things you're working on then? Me? I oh mean, boy! You don't have I mean, to go like super yeah. future. <laughs> like at the end, yeah, you know, yeah. I can be like, "Hey, yeah. what's new?" But, but yeah, what 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 has it transformed into so far? Well, the digital side of the business is definitely, you know, has grown a lot. Which means what? So, I mean, Instagram is kind of the backbone of our brand, sure. but yes, that, I don't know that that platform is <laughs> is kind of a I don't know thankless job at sometimes. Mm-hmm. So we launched a YouTube channel about a year ago and just have been really loving that style of content. It feels like, you know, we adventure around the state and get, you know, amazing opportunities to do really cool things. Um, and it's fun to just take people along and kind of share what goes into it and mm. how things don't work out. Because, you know, before, even on Instagram stories where you could share more of this I don't know, adventure, it felt like you still kind of had to tighten your story. And now on the YouTube, we can just like take people along for um, yeah. all, all the different components of the adventure. So that's definitely fun. And I feel like we have a bunch of ideas um, for growth on, you know, with new series and stuff there. But we're just trying to like slowly build that. So it's right. again, because we've learned like having it be sustainable for us is paramount or else we'll burn out and then, sure. you know, not deliver quality products. I and think then, in general, one of the major changes since the early days that kind of happened during the pandemic um, is that initially we were 100% behind the lens. People often didn't even know who we were. Okay. And then during the pandemic, out of necessity, we started putting ourselves in the frame of like, here's how you can travel around Maine in a safe way, you know, early <laughs> right. on of like, here's an outdoor brewery you can go to or whatever. Mm-hmm. And uh, for lack of a better term, like we started doing more influencing, mm-hmm. um, which is something we had really avoided early on. But that's become, whether on YouTube or Instagram, but that's become a piece of this. The social side is like us in front of the camera, showing main explorations, showing spots in main, main stories. Um, and it's been interesting, kind of that shift of moving from strictly a journalist behind the lens behind the pen mm-hmm. to being more in it which sure. i don't think is necessarily natural to our personalities but it's part of what we do so. yeah it's a tough tough line we yeah. always tell and how much we want yeah. our family involved yeah. you know it's just like if you feel like you could just blow up an instagram if we showed you know <sighs> building our house or whatever else like other people do mm-hmm. and more power to them if they right. want to do that awesome yeah. but like it's just and it's just not not we haven't got we don't do that we don't do that yeah. we do some you know mm-hmm. sometimes we get little shots of the girls or something mm-hmm. but but it's good uh, to have boundaries yeah I think and and also we don't <clears throat> I don't know I I'm not I don't have anything against anybody whatever <laughs> they're doing with theirs but it is all I'm saying I get the challenge of and the change if we were to whatever we do more of that it does feel nice and it's authentic and it's great. And not just posting product all the time. Yeah. We definitely don't want to do that. Yeah. Um, but, uh, you know, even if it's just like photo shoot shots, mm-hmm. maybe just when I look at it, I'm just like, I personally, I like it when we just have our own shots too. Yeah. So, mm-hmm. so that's, that's nice. So but as you guys have been talking, I've just been thinking like, and you probably already have this all worked out, but like when you did that dog sled thing, mm-hmm. like 
yeah, you get these super cool in-depth stories for for the catalog. But like, if you just have a video camera while you're doing that the whole time too, mm-hmm. yeah. you know, after the catalog comes out, then you've got the in-depth YouTube series. Mm-hmm. Man, that sounds awesome. Yeah, because yeah, you can definitely do both at the same time. I would, I would think. Mm-hmm. Um, it is a lot to juggle, and w- now that we have YouTube, like, not that it's not a lot, yeah, but but it it's cool. It's but you can cool. do kind of two things at once, right? Yeah, yeah, it or is. get a lot out of one thing, right? right? Definitely. Yeah. Um, yeah, it is. It's a funny thing, though, to actually live the day that mm-hmm. you're taking content for Instagram and YouTube and the blog and, you know, maybe a, a print story as well. And, mm-hmm. you know, there's just a lot of equipment and it's a lot. It's physically yeah. a lot to juggle. Finding that balance of like enjoying your adventure, too, and doing all that. Cause yeah. Tell me about tell me about that, because I've thought about that yeah. some if we ever got into some of that. One yeah. of my jokes is that we always get free cold lunch um because you know whether it's free because we're paying for it with the business or vice you know occasionally we do actually get free food but right um you know it'll be 10 15 minutes of getting a photo from every yes. angle now that we're adding video into that it's, right it's a different experience and i I still crave the adventures on the weekends that are just for the two of us. They, yeah. they fill a different role. Yeah. And yeah. I'm very lucky that we get to do that for work. But I think we right. do have a good ba- like a balance and a good boundary around mm-hmm. it. Um, you know, our weekends we really try and keep for ourselves. And even with clients, sometimes it's hard when, like, especially this summer, the weather was mm. very unforgiving. Yeah. And, you know, we would maybe have to do a photo shoot on Saturday. But for the most part, like, we... You know, we're lucky to go for a hike and get a beer after and pizza for work. But like we do it on a Tuesday because that's our job. And then we go hiking with friends on Saturday. And so I feel like we, yeah, we're good about sort of having boundaries of what's for work and what's not. And then it makes it easy, like especially our day trip series. We try and do like one adventure a month and mm-hmm. we kind of have different series or whether it's photo shoots for brands or something. Like I think we try and have a like clear you, you know agreed upon sort of this is a work trip and then our non-work trips are we don't even bring cameras or yeah. and I still like taking pictures on my phone and sure. stuff but yeah um I think it's it's been healthy for us to know like okay like once a month we have the day trip or you know have those kind of set yeah. things so that yeah, it doesn't I just like bleed that. into that's nice everything that you do yeah those <laughs> yeah. are good boundaries and yeah like yeah, this is this is a work trip. We're going on adventure. We can enjoy it, but like, we're gonna have cameras on everything all the time. Yeah, that's yep. all there is to it. You know, and sometimes like you know, for example, this spring um, we did a trip with our families, and we were staying in this beautiful hotel. And it one one picture, you know, I could take one picture of the room or the dinner or the hotel and use it in a post later, and it doesn't feel like it's like consuming our whole weekend right. with our family, but. Um, but yeah, so, but for the most part, I feel like if it's a work trip, then it's a work trip. And then if it's, if we're hanging with friends, mm-hmm. we'll take pictures for ourselves, but not for. Yeah. Right. Now, and you said clients. So who are your clients or your customers? Yeah. Um, I mean, people buy the ca- yeah, publications, d- obviously. Yeah. But who else? I would kind of say our business falls into like a couple categories okay. now. So we have the, the print wing of it, which is still going strong. Um, and the print is, is the... Publication. Is the main publication, and then uh, I, I can mention it now, I guess. Yeah. Um, we haven't done an official launch on this <laughs> yet, but one of the things that we're thinking we're going to be moving into soon, and the first one will be coming out this fall um, in about a month, 
uh, is a guidebook series all about Maine. Oh, that's um, exciting. Yeah, mm -hmm. very Ooh. exciting. Um, Freshly, yeah, yeah. Thanks for doing it on our um, podcast. Oh. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> um, you have to so, share this. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> No, this I, is great. You we'll guys know who, good the people who are emailing asking for yeah. it. We're we're here listening in this yeah, podcast. Yeah, yeah. Sure, so, yeah, yeah. Um, but yeah, so that's one part of it, and then we do some work with brands. We so do that's some a that's work a guidebook to Maine in general. So we're so, gonna kind of have different themes. Okay. Um, so looking at Maine through different lenses. Oh so. uh, yeah. So we didn't want it to be. We've been thinking about this for a while, but we didn't want like the Maine Lonely Planet style guidebook of like here this restaurant's a five star right whatever so how do you do that in a different way that's true to what we are which is storytelling design nice photos yeah and so what we kind of landed on is for a category so say this first this first guidebook is an outdoor recreation guidebook mm -hmm. um so we're we're telling the story of one hunting and fishing lodge and so there's a several thousand word little story about the experience of going mm -hmm. there and fishing, hunting. Um, but then what I really am excited about with it is something that's hard to do in the main publication when you're telling these super long form stories mm -hmm. are all the little side things that come in. So, for example, we were having a guide lunch uh, on the side of the river. Mm -hmm. And they made us guide coffee where you break an egg into the coffee grounds. And when you, you boil the water, put that in. Mm -hmm. And when the egg totally congeals, um, the coffee's done and no grounds come into your coffee. So telling those little, like a little recipe story, uh, a small piece about the history of fishing canoes in Maine, mm -hmm. um, and all those things. And then at the end of that section, be like, here are a selection of great, you know, sources, guides yeah. and, and places that you can go create your own experience. Mm -hmm. But we don't want to blow up one spot or be right. like, here's the best. Yeah. I see that happening all the time in Maine is that <clears throat> we have kind of a limited, a lot of these small, really cool spots have a limited bandwidth and mm -hmm. they get blown up by the New York Times or whatever, and yeah. then they want to close their doors because they're so overwhelmed. Mm -hmm. And so thinking about tourism, that's like, how do we do it well? Yeah, that's a good question. And, and yeah, and mm -hmm. to not, yeah, if, you, if you'd say not ruin the special spot, yeah. but it becomes so much that it's not as special for everybody because it's packed with people. Yeah, that's always a, a fine line. But <clears throat> but uh, I just love everything you guys are talking about. It's <laughs> like every, a lot of things we're trying to do. Just going back though, yeah. sorry. No, to, go. But we were talking about kind of the different clients had come up, and yeah, and so the print side is one piece of the business. But then working with uh, brands, um, and you can kind of talk to all that. But as in um, somebody can call tourism, you up, some brands. Yeah. All, that's a whole nother side of the business. Yeah, yeah. We've been working with the Office of Tourism, which has been a dream partner because it's. You know, their goal is to share Maine and mm -hmm. get people around. So, it, and it's fun because kind of what you, we were saying about like, we like to show a lot of what Maine has to offer. And, you know, some of our friends like don't hike or camp, but like, mm -hmm. so, you know, maybe not everyone's going to do everything that we share, but it's, you know, they can kind of be like, oh, like you can still go to Baxter and stay in this cool place. And even if you're not hiking Katahdin, like here are other things to do. Or people are like, Oh my gosh! I didn't know that you could rent a cabin in the winter and ski, skin up Katahdin, and ski down. And so, 
it's fun to kind of like just have different touch points for people to interact with. Yeah. yeah. But when you say client, so somebody calls you up and say, I want to work with you somehow. So you guys can represent our brand or like, is that, so is that a collaboration? Like yeah. you'll, you'll take photos for them. You'll tell stories for them, do mm -hmm. different things like that. Make a lot of it's behind the scenes where we'll create content for them that they'll be able to share on their own. Sometimes okay. we work with brands where we're, you know, showcasing it or promoting it on our platforms okay. if, if it's something we believe in. Right. Um, so they basically just like what you're doing. They call you up and say, hey, we want to work with you guys somehow. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Great. Um, awesome. I haven't had to look at my <laughs> notes at all. This yeah. has been just fantastic. I just love what you guys are doing. It's a lot of what we're trying to do in, in like a different way, obviously, mm -hmm. a much different way. But so, yeah, let's talk about, we, we talked about a little bit earlier. You mentioned that we get back into it. So let's do it. The, the you know, slow journalism. Mm -hmm. <clears throat> what does that mean to you? Tell me about slow journalism. So I think like Christine was saying with the, you know, meeting that older gentleman in, in Newfoundland, like what we really believed in is that when you walk into a space with no preconceptions mm -hmm. and are friendly, people will open up in a way that they won't when you walk in with a, here's what I'm looking to get out of this experience. And so I think a huge part of slow journalism is leaving enough time on the books to be able to go in, figure out what the story is, mm -hmm. and then not extract that, but, but be a participant in hearing that. You know, I, I think so often journalism is thought of as like, you come in, you get the story, and you leave, and you tell it. Right. And I think being a part of that whole thing and, like, how do you get the, the person to want to tell their story genuinely and um, I think that whole interplay. And then it's also about the delivery of that story. So once, once you've taken your time and you've gotten to know the person and you hopefully tell their or you know, get that story in a, in a really neat way, mm. how do you then tell it and do justice to it? And so to us, print is the ideal way to do that. It's timeless, um, especially something like ours. We give it the space it needs. Right. So if the story wants to run for, you know, we've run a 40-page story before. Um, if, if the story deserves to be that length, let it be that length. Um, yeah, I mean, even just our yeah. approach, like, it's a high quality publication and it's $25, which maybe if people would pay a hundred, we'd take that. But, <laughs> um, you know, it's sort of like we want people to kind of, it's, it's not like a big investment, but you know, it's right. something that you're purchasing to then like sit down and consume. And, you know, even in our design, we always liked, you know, we love to hear that people flip through the first day they get it and they can consume something and enjoy it visually. And then, sit down a week later, sit down a month later, sit down a year later, pass it to their neighbor. And, you know, it kind of, there's relevance and it can kind of connect with you wherever you are in your life to, when you, um, when you open up the pages. And, and I think that's something that, that, you know, we don't have dates, we don't do events, we don't have like kind of time sensitive material because we want it to be something that's just as relevant today or five years ago or down Timeless, the line. Right. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Just kind said. of like a capsule of, you know, Maine in this era. Well, I think today's world is so information driven mm -hmm. and fast paced that I think 
often the the real stories get buried in there um, or forgotten about instantly. And so I think it it was really important to us to create something that was timeless, that did last, and that hopefully um, does justice to all those those people in a, mm-hmm. in a way that I don't think the media landscape does anymore because it it's there and then it's gone and it's yeah, yeah it's kind of like accomplish this and hopefully sell something and move on mm-hmm. right <clears throat> yeah it is it's it's rushed uh, I just made me think of this that uh, I don't if there's no if there's trade secrets here don't give them away <laughs> but you know finding your stories mm-hmm. how do you find those yeah. I mean maybe when you maybe once you get known people let you know or or how does how does that work I feel like. <clears throat> I'm an open book. Cam probably wishes I would <laughs> reveal it. It's not that this is crazy trade secrets, but I think that always just has been like, um, I don't, I'm not trying to take full credit, but like kind of the curation has always been like one of my approaches to main the way and kind of mm-hmm. how we share and trying to rotate around to different interests and industries and types of people and locations and kind of having that, um, breadth is important for, you know, different people to connect with. And I guess it kind of maybe comes back to like my journey through college and, um, traveling and everything when, you know, there are a bunch of different interests and themes that when come, when you bring them together, um, yeah, it's, it's sort of a, right. I I would magic potion. (laughs) I would say, both of us to some extent, but especially Christine always has her ear to the ground. Okay. And I feel like you do have this like spidey sense for like the next thing that's worth telling. Mm-hmm. And so while we've definitely had people like reach out with story ideas, um, and some of our great ones have come that way of, of a writer coming and saying, I'm really interested in telling the story or whatever. Um, I think, we just have a laundry list of things around Maine that are already interesting us. Nice. And so there's no lack of ideas. I mean, there's literally no yeah. shortage. Like yeah. everywhere we go, okay. it like uncovers 10 or more stories. And and even with, you know, the publication, we've tried to, or we've had different themes for those and um, they've kind of been in series of four. And so currently we're, um, a, well, by the time this is out, issue 12 East will be out and, that's part of the coordinate series where we look, we started with um, south, west, north, and now east. And so it's fun to kind of have parameters to work within where we're like, okay, we're like focusing on east. That doesn't mean that it has to be from like this town over, but mm-hmm. it's sort of like, okay, we have an artist, we have an adventure story. Like we, it'd be cool to have some history. Is there some cool history thing? Or, and I feel like we're always kind of, trying to fill in the gaps to have it balanced. And sometimes it ends up being a like, you know, really long story about an adventure or a history or cultural thing. And it's just one quick little profile about food or other, you know, the, the scale changes, but I think it's fun to kind of try and, you know, round out the picture when we pull it together and, and always circle around to different themes. So like the the dog sled one that you were talking mm-hmm. about. So how how did that come about? It was like, <clears throat> did you travel there and then saw those guys and be like, wow, that's really cool. Let's go tell us. Or like, is yeah, kind of how it. I mean, I think in general, like that was you know we were just launching Main the Way, so we were like, what are epic stories and that really kind of like you know encapsulate just the 
cool crafts folk and adventure and, you know, landscape and everything. And so we were like, oh, do, like we'd heard of these people and then. So you'd them heard out. of them. Yeah. yeah. And then you just. When I think out. when I first heard of them, it caught me off guard because I think of dog something. I think of Alaska. Mm hmm. Maine, of course, it makes sense once you think about it, but I'd never thought of it as like a hub for, for dog sledding or anything. And, and hearing that they did these multi-night trips was kind of a like yeah. aha moment. And, cool. and they um, like build their own sleds and wow. just are really, really impressive. Mm -hmm. Kevin and Polly of Mahusa Guide Service are so impressive and we've maintained a relationship with them since I guess that was winter of 2017 like around february so now over five years later and mm -hmm. we actually just went on another trip with them this past summer um a canoe trip with them down the penobscot and it was sort of a cultural experience oh, alongside cool. with the penobscot, the penobscot nation. nation which wow. was so incredible and they sort of facilitated these amazing conversations um with you know a the tribal archaeologist and historian and mm -hmm. um the woman that runs the the tribal museum and so you just got these amazing in-depth conversations and, and wow yeah. that's awesome where'd you guys um, put in so it was uh, the lower half past okay. a dump keg yeah okay and down then we to ended, old town yeah oh so right after the dam yeah mm -hmm. now yeah. past a dump keg to yeah. well because i went to, went to school at umaine oh, yep cool. <laughs> and i'm a hunter so it was oh, always wow. like we we had to get a special license or permit to for the islands. For the islands. Yeah. Yeah. We float trip. Oh, cool. Past a dumb keck a few times mm -hmm. and was always around there. So, but uh, <clears throat> my dad has always fished up at, he's he's a big uh, fly fisherman, but he's always been up at the Eddy. And uh, anyway, we, I love up north and adventure yeah. everything. Yes. You know, I'm trying not to get into talking to it too much. <laughs> uh, I know we could spend all day talking yeah, yeah. about yeah. paddling trips. But uh, I haven't done a lot of paddling trips. I need to do mm -hmm. a lot more. Um, so yeah, uh, one question uh, uh, we had uh, thought of was, you, you know, you guys are bridging, you have this, I totally agree, like the timelessness of print and like, I don't want it to fade away. I want it to be like stronger again, but also like live in the reality of the digital world right. and, and that's where people are and, you know, showing people good things there and also, um, you know, uh, like we have to be in business too, right? Mm -hmm. Like you got to meet people yeah. where they are. So so National Geographic announced this year that they're going to forego print publications in 2024. Mm -hmm. What are your thoughts? <laughs> Not surprised. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I think it's tragic. Uh -huh. um, of all institutions, I would love to see them continue on, even if it's not profitable. Um, but I know from our own business that Margins have gotten a lot tighter since we started the business. Mm -hmm. um, print costs have gone up significantly, mm -hmm. and society's appetite to pay for print has not kept pace with that. Okay. Um, and so I think you have to get creative with it. Mm. Um, my personal take, and I don't know, you can give yours as well, but like when we started Main the Way, we felt that print was no longer a necessity. Um, we, you know, I think we all grew up in a world where print was a part of everyday life, mm -hmm. and now you don't need it. And so my personal belief, or hope, I guess, is that uh, just like 
how LP vinyl records have come back. Um, but you don't need to listen to music that way. But right. it's also a really enjoyable, tactile, fun experience with friends in the evening to put a record on. Mm -hmm. I think that's what print will be. It'll be this uh, kind of one-off specialty thing that you're willing to pay extra for that fills a different role than waking up in the morning and looking at your iPad and reading mm -hmm. a National Geographic article. Mm -hmm. um, now, how do companies still stay in business? Um, I don't know. And we're still always trying to figure that out. And I think that's part of what this guidebook series will be of like, how do we stay true to our roots, but create something that, um, has a different price point and, uh, requires a different time input. Um, cause mm -hmm. I'll put thousands of hours into each print publication yeah, and wow. that's tough to to ever get your money back out of. So mm -hmm. um, it's something we give a lot of thought to because it's we care so deeply about print um, and it is dying. And uh, yeah, we don't want it to. Right. So I don't know if you have more to add on this. but well, I mean, I could take it in a different direction, but. <laughs> <laughs> take whatever direction oh, you want. Oh, I don't know. I mean, if you like ask chat GPT what the most profitable, you know, like nobody, I think that's not why we're in these industries. It's, right. It's sort of about the craft and about doing what you love and kind yeah. of what we were saying earlier about, you know, always knowing in some capacity that we'd be photographers. Like we live in Maine and we do what we love and that's, for me, a dream come true. Like, I think, you know, just creating a business that we're passionate about and sustains us mm -hmm. is why we do it, um, not to buy private planes or something. Yeah, I mean, but, like, business-wise, I'm just thinking, too, like, I don't know about National Geographic. I'm sure they've thought this over, but, like... <clears throat> Or like with with your publication, if that was gone, like that's what you became known for, and that's mm -hmm. what they became known for. Like, yes, now we're so used to having all these metrics. Mm. Yeah. Like, what if all of a sudden that disappears? They don't have metrics for that. Like, yeah. Okay. Like, maybe even if people aren't buying it as much, it's just like National Geographic's gone. Like, what is that? Mm -hmm. What are you guys now? Mm -hmm. uh, I don't know. Maybe it's all video. I've probably looked into it, but <clears throat> I think there's. As far as a brand goes, I mean, like this podcast right now, we're not yeah. making any money on this podcast. Mm -hmm. Like, mm -hmm. we just believe in it. Mm -hmm. Now, can we do it forever? It does take a lot of resources um, without any, it all depends, I guess. As the owner, I guess it's on me, but um, we would have to look at it. It's just like, hey, this is just taking a ridiculous amount of time. We don't think there's anything that is per being helpful for the band. I might just still say, well, I like talking about it. And that's yeah. what I want to do. So, totally. But, yeah, I guess we all have to make those calls, but I think there's so many things that you cannot put metrics on. Yeah. yeah, and I think that's, like, kind of a theme in Maine. You know, everyone has, and I don't know, people could agree on different numbers, but maybe, like, seven different ventures or something. And whether it's kids or your garden or you're volunteering at the mm -hmm. library or something or you work for the bank, like, I feel like in Maine, like, everyone just does a bunch of things and some of them make a lot of money or hopefully, you know, can sustain them. Right. Or maybe there are a couple different things that, you know, contribute to their, you know, pocket. Mm -hmm. And then there are others that contribute to their community and stuff. And I think I, I feel like having kind of like a holistic approach to, um, you know, how you spend your time and energy is 
I don't know. That's kind of one way I think of it is, yeah. One along those same lines, I think part of why I hope we can survive in the print world when something like National Geographic can't is that we're a small team Mm -hmm. and we're flexible and we're able to change our priorities day to day, week to week, month to month. Mm -hmm. And um, for exactly that reason, if something in our regular life is more important for a while, the business can move to the side. Or if we need to change the way we're doing print, we can do that. And Mm -hmm. I that's something I really value about being a, a two-person team is that we can constantly have conversations yeah. about shifting priorities. Um, that is nice. And I think that helps. It helps you find that balance in a way that a company like, you know, National Geographic probably couldn't. It's just as yeah, expenses went up, they yeah, have right. staff photographers that they have to pay and whatever. Mm-hmm. And it, yeah. yeah, we had a, even a even a company that we work with that buys our product. They a lot why they were so good is because they had a lot of great talent <clears throat> and private investment got in there put some money and then they just started hiring a ton of talent and they were putting out fantastic stuff and that's mm-hmm. how they grew but then like mm-hmm. um they hired too much right. yeah. and you know with the covid rush for the home they were like in the perfect storm for that so they blew up so it was awesome but then like when it receded they were like there's just too much. Yeah, we've got yeah. too much talent, and now like like a lot of them have left. Um, I mean, I guess we touched on it a little bit, but why why do you think? You know, you said you you hope with your heart, not just, and I can tell it's not just to make money, but that you know, print journalism doesn't doesn't go away. Um, do you think it's you know why is it more important um, than it ever has been? You know, in a digital world, I think. We talked about the longevity earlier, and I think that's a key piece of it, is that um, I was just reading recently, actually, that I think something like 80% of New York Times articles from uh, 2000 to 2010, the links are now broken. And that's the New York Times. And um, don't quote me on that exact number, but it's it's around that. It's like even the biggest institutions doing digital publication it disappears mm-hmm. like it's just sort of into the ether um and maybe people can find it again with a search or whatever but i think there's something so valuable about it just being there and being tangible and mm-hmm. um it coming into the world in this in this really unique way that uh, a lot of things don't anymore. And, mm-hmm. I don't know. It means something to me. Yeah. A book has like a personality of its own. Yeah, it feels good. Yeah. Right. And I mean, we've said a few times, just timeless is all I can keep keep thinking. And yeah. Yeah. The. Do uh, you have any thoughts? I mean, the I also as the producers of it, like you know, we have a blog too, and it's not like I go back and edit that too too often if ever but i could and there's something so that's true nice about it being done and this like there are typos and we'll get an email from somebody with the signature like co-vice president of this department and they're like there's a typo on page this and blah 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 and i'm like thank you like yeah we're human and mm-hmm. i think there's something that's so you know we don't do we're not reprints. too proud like we're <laughs> yeah. not the new york times has typos as well but it's also sort of like there's this sort of 
completion of when it's in your hands that you can look at it and it's imperfect or perfect or, you know, however, and, but it's done and it's sort of like, it's its own entity now. That's authentic. Right. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And yeah. It's just like, you know, with coin collectors, when they find like, you know, the imperfections are with the big money coins, right? right? Like Mm -hmm. those are the rare ones. So like it just, to me, it just shows, you know, that's why I like just having conversations here. Mm -hmm. I mean, I write a few prompt questions down, but, um, yeah, anytime if, you if, can see something's authentic. Yeah. Especially now. I mean, everything just seems so fake. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. Tying into that, one thing I learned when I was working on a typewriter for issue two, um, I had grown up, obviously, always writing on computers in mm-hmm. Microsoft Word or, you know, some equivalent. And writing on a typewriter completely changed the way I wrote because. It, the little red squiggly line wouldn't show up, and you yeah, wouldn't go I want to hear more and, about this and, typewriter. Yeah, and changed the way that you were writing, and I realized that when I was writing digitally, I was constantly editing as I went, and there's something good about that. Mm-hmm. You're creating a more polished product quicker; it's more efficient. But on a typewriter, you follow your train of thought through to completion and you don't care about any of the the issues that pop up there and then your next time through the next iteration of the whole thing you'll hopefully clean that up Mm -hmm. and i think similarly with print what we're putting out into the world believe me i put many hours in to make it as perfect as i can right but inherently every issue is imperfect Mm -hmm. but once it's out that door like you said it's it's out there and it's not changing and that also it's freeing but it's also like a neat thing artistically i think of like digitally it it's never static right it's always has the potential to be changed to be better to be different and um yeah, I think that there is some value of like just seeing it through. Yeah, and getting it out. I mean, artists when yeah they start the painting, any famous painting or non-famous painting, like that thing's there, mm-hmm. and uh, they might see imperfections or maybe somebody else was, but it's like yeah, a human did that. Yeah, and uh, but I'm sure that's part of the beauty of of so many of them. Yeah. Um. So what is uh what is quality? You know, I feel like a lot of what we've been talking about is that. What, what does it mean to you guys? How would you define quality? What, what does it mean to you? What comes to mind first is integrity. And I feel like there's, you know, it's something you can stand behind, um, something you're proud of. And I feel like it sort of feels like a feeling. Um, you know, that it it's intentional and all the different components and things that go into it, you thought through and, um, yeah, I'm trying to decide if it's like how to expand, like, you know, in our business, I feel like as much as we can, every avenue we try and, you know, comb through, whether it's the printer that we use in um, Augusta mm-hmm. or, you know, the different contractors and photographers and writers that we work with it's mm-hmm. just yeah i don't know constantly I, refining I, yeah. yeah the word that came to mind for me so same line of thinking is pride and in, in the like to me quality isn't necessarily the 
the paper stock or the whatever. It's like being able to put something out into the world that you are proud in and believe in and stand behind. And um, yeah. And then a lot of those other things are filled in inherently if, if that is something you truly are proud of. Sure. Yeah. No, it, uh, <clears throat> I love what you both said. I, I don't think I've heard everybody's got a different take. Mm-hmm. And, and it's like, yeah, there's a ton of different qualities in a ton of different places. Mm-hmm. And uh, so it's neat to, what stand, to hear what stands out most to people. Um, so on along those lines, you know, as we, we love Maine here, mm-hmm. right? Like what is, what is Maine mean to you guy? I mean, you're from Maine, you're not from Maine, but you fell in love with Maine. Like what does Maine mean to both of you, you know, now? Like, you know, go as deep or as broad as you want to go, but I um, would love to hear, hear what it means to you what it is to you, whatever, however you want to put it. Yeah. You want me to go? Go first. Um, I mean, it's going to sound really cliched, but it's like home. It's, uh, at this point in my life, it's this community that it's not just like my immediate close friends community, but this like community around the state of people who I think in a really unique way are living lives that they're proud of whether you're talking to lobstermen or some artist or a canoe builder or a lumberman or one of the themes that I run into across the state is that people are really proud of what they're doing and they're often working locally. Um, that's another kind of through, through line of, of the state. And it makes me so happy to be here and it feels genuine and real and the, the people here are so kind and um, yeah, it's just, it's where I want to be mm-hmm. and it makes me happy to be here and be mm-hmm. surrounded by these people, both both the immediate people and the folks that I'm always meeting and learning more about. Mm-hmm. Do you find that that is different, everything you just talked about than in other places you've been or like where you grew up? Definitely. I think that uh, like Christine was saying earlier, everyone has all these side passions that they're pursuing. And I don't think that's the case in a lot of places. I think the the nine to five grind this is what we're doing. wears people down to where they can barely have passions outside of work. Mm-hmm. And I have not put my finger on exactly how Maine's avoided that. And I hope that that doesn't change. Um, but I think that if I was to go around in a lot of other places in the U.S. or, or um, yeah, the U.S., I'll keep it to the U.S., mm-hmm. I think that a lot of people would not have as many passions outside of work. Mm. Um, this is just a silly anecdote, but I, my new thing, if I'm at a event or a dinner party and I have to be making small talk with someone I don't know, I don't ask them what they do. Yeah. I ask them what they enjoy doing. Mm-hmm. And That's way better. It, you get these fascinating answers. Yeah. There was this one person that we like ran into recently who was collected weird oh stuffed God. animals. <laughs> and it was like this conversation topic I would have never spoken to anyone yeah. about in my life. <laughs> but you just find these little things. Oh, this woman who like um, competes professionally in dog dance. Wow. Mm-hmm. She like dances with her dog. That's a fantastic it question was to ask so, people. It was like we were dying laughing, like not at her. 
I hope. But we were like, this is amazing to hear about. Like, what? Yeah. Yeah. And I I really do think that that's unique to Maine. Yeah. I have a theory on that now that you're sitting here saying that. I mean, I'm just coming up with this now, but. And as you've been talking some too, you know, as you go and you spend time with all these people, I mean, Maine, there's a reason, you know, Maine is beautiful, but there's also a reason there's not a lot of people here. Like yeah. the things are hard and it is, the landscape is rugged and it's not mm-hmm. a central point, mm-hmm. even though there's some cool resources, there's everything else is too far away. But so, I mean, up until recently and even more so now in the further east and north you go, you'll find, you know, away from the cities. And, but like, you had to be a hustler yeah. to make yeah. it. You yeah. have to do. Right. I mean, like my great grandfather and stuff. I mean, it was constant. I mean, they were, and for lobstermen, they were like making good. I think my grandfather had the first like TV or, uh, I can't remember. Maybe it was a toilet or something, you know, in the neighborhood, whatever it yeah. was. But it was like a big deal. Mm-hmm. And they were barely scraping by. Yeah. Mm-hmm. You know, they had to like literally go out and hunt every day. My great grandfather, he he would walk. Um, he would walk from, I, I grew up in Spruce Head, so oh, he'd yeah. walk from where he, uh, you know, lived, and he'd walk around, and he would meet. Somebody else would walk from, uh, we, I grew up right in Wheeler's Bay, mm. <clears throat> and somebody else would walk from actually Spruce Head, and they would meet, like, every day on the shoreline, and they just had a gun, and they were just hunting to, like, try to survive. Oh, wow. I mean, like, there was no deer left. There was no, <laughs> yeah. you know, they'd shot most everything, and... Uh, you know, in the 50s around home, there was no deer. Now it's where mm-hmm. all the deer are. You know, back then, all the deer were up north. Now it's yep. switched. But, um, I mean, yeah, you know, got, they're clamming this time of year. They're, mm-hmm. they're you know, doing wreath, making wreaths this time of year. I mean, mm-hmm. it wasn't like, yeah, it was just what they had to do. Yeah. Just mm-hmm. literally to survive. So, I mean, maybe that's part of me. I don't know if it's like, I grew up kind of with entrepreneurs and, mm fast-paced guys and always what's the next thing innovating yeah. but like it's probably a part of main thing too like i always want to be doing like yeah. the next thing yeah like I, I can never i don't ever care about retiring yeah, yeah. i don't oh, yeah. care about like like i want a couple things going on yeah. um totally. and that's what we got here like it was lobstering i was like what do i do in the winter oh, nice. um so and that was always the thing now now guys can can go year round more and, yeah. and make better mm-hmm. money but but uh, I still I wasn't an offshore guy. But yeah. but anyway, that's my my maybe my somewhat yeah. theory on I totally that. Agree. No, I mean that's kind of what I was. And they had to be craftspeople right. too. Like totally. they had to like make good stuff and use good right. stuff. Yeah. yeah. So you have to uh, be creative for sure. Mm-hmm. No, and I mean the thing that came to mind first was also home. Like it really just feels. Yeah. But then I was also as you were, both of you were talking. Like you know you have to be intentional about living here and. I mean, people do end up here by accident, but I feel like your story, like I grew up here, I was born here, so I'm a Mainer, okay? Mm -hmm. But you chose to live here, and I think that's just as special, and all the people who, you know, want Maine to be their home, I like, for me, that's a Mainer. Like, Mm -hmm. you are like, this is where I'm going to dedicate myself. Um, And and I think it's special because, yes, like, when I moved back after college, I feel like my life took off in in a personal sense where it was, you know, I could, I, I was living in Boston for the year before and it just felt like it was very much like work and then happy hour and then w- weekend warrior things mm-hmm. on the, with friends. But 
here you can kind of just like live your life every day how you want to and actually do the things that and I think you know so much of our so many of our friends are living their dreams and they're all different when you know whether it's a restaurant or a shop or a baker or something like you know people bring their dreams to life and then people support them and are excited about, you know, going to their friend's wine bar and Mm -hmm. telling their friends to go to their friend's wine bar. And I feel like it's just sort of like rising tide floats all ships. And Mm -hmm. it's sort of like Mm -hmm. when people are pursuing their passion, it's palpable and people are excited about it and share. And then it's sort of, and then when you're doing it in a place that you love, you're giving back to your community. And um, yeah, it's cool. It feels like it's everyone's like end game, which you know, we're in our early 30s. Maine. Yeah. yeah. And a bunch of our friends, like friends that I went to high school with or just in college, like we have a bunch of friends that are moving back here because this is where they want to like, they did their time out West. They did their time in New York City or whatever. Especially if they want to have kids. Yeah, exactly. Like. Yeah. And it's like, that's really, you know, a, a, that's a, I feel like for a state, like that's an honor that this is the place that people are like, this is the quality of life I want to have for mm-hmm. my family and you know, one of um, our good friend's sister just moved here and she, you know, it's like people are real. Like you can show up as who you are, whether it's, you know, you're in your pajamas because you need <laughs> eggs at the grocery store and you run into your boss. Like, right. you know, there's no there's no kind of judgment. It feels like, you know, you, I don't know. I think I'm rambling. It's great. Rambles yeah. are fantastic. <laughs> That's what it's all about. It's authentic. Yeah. Yeah. I, yeah, I love it. Yeah, I agree. And it's, and, and it's also, yeah, kind of what I was just saying about, like, people moving here. It's nice to live in a place that people want to live. Because I feel like, you know, I hate saying goodbyes, and I hate when people move. So I'm always, like, I can't imagine living in a place where, like, all your like people just come and go. And mm. it's nice that, you know, our friends are buying houses, too. And it's sort of like you can see your future and, be, you know, invest in these relationships because... Mm-hmm. Yeah, they're committed as well, and definitely. And to take it full circle, I mean, that's why we do what we do. We are telling main stories because we're inspired by them every single day, and we love them, and we love being here. Mm-hmm. And so, it it does feel so good to like have our work be genuine to to the way we feel about this place, and we're and we're never. Well, work can be really hard, obviously, like a lot of jobs are, mm-hmm. but especially working for yourself. It's like at the end of the day, if you can just be like, this is this is why we're doing it. Like, this is what we love. This is yeah. what makes this place home. And that's what we want to share with people. Mm-hmm. So. Yeah. As I was as listening to you guys, that I was just thinking like growing out of Manor, like whatever. <laughs> I grew up here in Maine, right on the coast. You know, I grew mm-hmm. up lobstering. Mm-hmm. And I mean, you know, when you're local, local, like... They can actually, you know, you take things for a granite, mm-hmm. like complain, you know. <laughs> I remember July's being like literally fog. Yep. We grew up on the ocean, which was amazing. You know, and now, now I'm like realizing how awesome all this stuff was, but I just grew up in yep. it. I didn't even know anything different, yeah. you know. And so when people move here and they appreciate, you know, maybe they have more appreciation. But if you ask a man who lives, <clears throat> it's going to be different everywhere they go. Yeah. Mm-hmm. But what their love and what they're proud of is going to be totally different than I think. Uh, maybe not totally different. I mean, you can't help, but, um, but it's just a funny aspect I'm learning as I've grown up and then 
moved away from the coast, not too far from the coast, <laughs> but I don't live on the water anymore. Yeah. Yeah. And, um, you know, being on a lobster boat all the time or, or whatever it is. Mm-hmm. Um, the other thing I was thinking as you guys were talking about, like, I'm just driving anywhere. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Like, for the most part, as long as I'm not in a city or a town. And even then, you know, it's not a town, but like a city, you know, if there's a lot of traffic. Mm-hmm. But not that there's many cities in Maine. Yeah. But, uh, you know, just, it's, it's just, I just, that's nice. You're driving to work or wherever you're doing, it's just enjoyable. So mm-hmm. Yeah. And, uh, you know, yeah, we're definitely blessed for that. But mm-hmm. so uh, this has been great. What what did we miss? Wow. You guys have any anything? You already gave some cool some cool stuff. Is there anything new or anything you want to talk about? Share with anybody? Or of course, you can use this. You know, this will be for you guys to share with, with yeah. everybody too. Um, if there's anything else, you know, unless we missed anything. anything oh, I love it. We're just figuring of? it out. Yeah, as we go. And, great. Yeah. You know, I think we feel lucky that we started the business when we were young and mm-hmm. had few responsibilities. But it's cool to kind of what we've been saying throughout, like just build it into something that we want to be doing and sustains us. And mm-hmm. um, yeah, so it. You know, we shared a few little sneak peeks of what's to come, and we have a oh, million yeah. ideas in the pipeline. But it's exciting. It feels yeah. It's sort of like this is what we want to be doing, and. We feel lucky that we so far can. Yeah, yeah, that's great. I'm thankful that you guys have created something so ma- that you're unique. And as you were saying, like, how do you stay, you know, going like just quality and being creative, like you yeah. said, I, I think, I personally believe. And uh, I have one question I like to ask everybody. Mm-hmm. Um, so think of like, both of you think of like your favorite item. Maybe you use it every day. Maybe it's just once in a while. Could be at work, could be at home, like an item in your life, you know, that you just love and tell me why and, you know, what about it is your kind of favorite thing or. Okay. I'm going to say this sweater. Okay. I feel like it really encapsulates life here in Maine because I just always, you know, it's a wool sweater and so it's warm in the winter, but I love, and I'm wearing it over a dress right now, just love in the summer when things get kind of chilly and you can just wrap it around. And I feel like it's, you know, I like it. It's a blue sweater, but it feels like it really, you know, not that I'm trying to be a fashionista, but in Maine, it's like when things are practical and functional mm-hmm. and timeless, it just feels like a great, um, great thing. Mm-hmm. Okay, I'm totally going to regret that. So maybe you go and then we cut what I just said. <laughs> I think it was good. But <laughs> yeah, yeah. No, I you think can that's keep thinking. Great. Oh boy. Yeah. I mean, mine is maybe, <laughs> uh, Easily guessed if you know me, but um, wait. Let me guess. Your watch? No, oh. that's ah. that <laughs> all right. Um, I was gonna say my canoe. Oh. Um, because it just allows access to places that very few get to go to. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I love outdoor activities of all types: uh, cycling, running, hiking, you name it. Um, but I think paddling in particular, you know, during the pandemic, we would just pop the canoe onto the car and look at the gazetteer and find some random bridge over a body of water that we'd never paddled on before, mm-hmm. park the car, throw the canoe in, and go explore. And I think unlike, you know, having to follow a trail or anything else, like if the water is your access yeah. you can go anywhere and i just really value that and, yeah and i think especially here in maine we have 
so many amazing bodies of water, rivers, lakes, streams that you can explore. And the canoe is the tool that, that gives us access right, to all yeah. of that. It's not even like the canoe. I mean, you love yeah. the canoe, but it's like the things you get to do with yeah. the canoe. Okay, yeah. I'm switching mine to the gazetteer. Ooh. Take, yeah, you can cut the sweater one. But <laughs> okay. um, I feel, you know, obviously it's print and physical, so it aligns with our brand values. But I feel like people underestimate like splaying the gazetteer and just oh looking for like there are campsites listed, trails listed, like so many of the places that we go. Sure, it's trial and error and we've had plenty of misses, but some of the gems you're like, wow, like there's a campsite on this island in the middle of a lake where mm -hmm. the put ins here, like it's all the information's there. And, you know, we don't tag our location that much anymore just to kind of like because I think finding those spots for yourself is just as special as, mm -hmm. you know, that's that's a big part of the journey. And yeah. um, and I feel like, you know, we now have a wealth of knowledge and we have our favorite spots that we go to time and time again. But so often if we're just dry, like we both have one in our car and if we're just, you know, on an adventure, we reference that for um, places to go and things to see. And and I yeah alongside print just never want to lose the sort of art of looking at the map and even if it's like finding a scenic route like oh this road like follows the coast along the peninsula and sure mm. google maps is going to take you on route one across it oh, but yeah. like yeah. instead of searching for something specific you end up finding more interesting things mm -hmm. by looking at it generally mm -hmm. i'm really trying to not put stuff in the gps and i will use now. it too like my you know mm. my google maps account is filled with like yeah, sure. restaurants and waterfalls and all that stuff and cross-referencing sure but I think the art of just being like especially during the pandemic we were in a on water whether in a canoe or kayak for basically 30 weeks straight because there was nothing else to do and we could socially distance with friends down the river or something mm -hmm. and um and, you know, we would just be like, okay, here's a bridge over this stream. And, like, we could put our put in there and, and That's go. That's awesome. Yeah. It's like my favorite people with the items you just gave. <laughs> <laughs> I, uh, I always get worried that the, like, the gazette's going to disappear with yeah. everything yeah. going digital. I love that thing. Yeah. Oh, my gosh. No, I doubt it ever. Yeah. I hope not. Yeah. Uh, yeah. But, uh, it survived Delorme going to Garmin. That's true. So I think yeah. that's probably a good sign for mm -hmm. its future. Yeah, definitely. Um. I mean, that's kind of my last question usually, but like, tell me about your favorite place <laughs> that you guys have just thrown in. You don't have to say exactly where it is, yep. but it describe kind of the journey you've just thrown in the canoe and gone for it. Like, what one, is there one that stands there's out? There's a or? lake in Western Maine mm -hmm. that we love exploring. Um, there's a campsite that we go to that takes probably about an hour on dirt roads. Mm -hmm. um, in from the the closest road, and mm -hmm. I'm not going to tell you what. Yeah, no this good. Is. I love it. But uh, we're often alone there, and uh, great moose sightings, mm -hmm. and um, brook trout, and just it's a special silence. place. Yeah, and um, that would probably be it for me. Yeah, yeah. Mm -hmm. I'll probably go the kayak route. Yeah. I mean, the main coast. We do an island camping trip every year up the coast, and I mean, there's the Maine Island Trail Association, which we'll always plug because they do amazing work for access to Maine's coastline. Um, mm -hmm. And similarly with their book, we'll just pick different sites and we have our favorite islands that we go back to and stuff. But yeah, 
I, I feel like we're really trying to encourage people to make their own adventure. Yeah. So, mm-hmm. But I'm an island ocean girl and you're you're the lakes. I'm guy. a freshwater guy. So. I love fan. That's fantastic. Yeah. yeah, that you guys. Are, I think you're very creatively like encouraging people to yeah go create their own adventure. <laughs> yeah, which I love. Like, I love the idea when people are educating and like giving up their gold. But like, I don't see like telling everybody you know telling everybody exactly where you go how that's gonna. Yeah, they could enjoy it. But like, there's a million places to go enjoy. Exactly. Like, go find them. You know, like on your own. Go mm-hmm. figure it out. Like, that's an adventure. Yeah. yeah. I would say, what's an adventure without adversity? Yeah. Yes. Like, totally. I, it's kind of the same thing. Like, I don't know if that's the same root word, but. Yeah. Um, I mean, one well, we we are both people. I think that get at least maybe not half, but probably close to half of the enjoyment of the experience is the prep work ahead of time to mm. figure out the logistics and the how to make it work and. Um, and sometimes and I don't want other people to, to not have that yeah, yeah. either. Cause I think that if you go up with, go in with set expectations, you're only going to be disappointed mm-hmm. if someone's like, this is the That's best. That's so true. Oh my goodness. This yeah. is the way to see Maine in, in 10 days, do it. I think you're, you're not going to appreciate it the same as if you are scouring a map or yeah, no way. You know, Yelp or whatever and, and figuring out your own itinerary. Mm-hmm. And we want to help people have a couple of the key things to like right. make that work, but not tell them how to do it and mm-hmm. let everyone come to their own conclusions. Mm-hmm. If you go way out on dirt roads, yeah. yep. have tire repair stuff. <laughs> yes. Be nice to people along the way. Maybe mm-hmm. your yep. favorite spot will be a town that we've overlooked because somebody invited you in and that's mm-hmm. your adventure. So how can we find you guys? Uh, where, where can we find you and follow and subscribe and all that yeah. good stuff? Yeah. Oh, well, definitely thanks for having us. It was fun to tell our story. We, I don't know if we've really, I guess we've been on the podcast or so before, but I feel like, yeah, there's definitely so much more to us than what we share on our little Instagram. But um, mm-hmm. yeah, everything's Main the Way. MainTheWay.com, Main the Way on YouTube, Main the Way on Instagram. What, uh, how did you come up with Main the Way? Oh, um, well, that was as I, I get was... the main part. Yeah, part. yeah. I mean, the slogan, the way life should be, is kind of... Okay. Um, but that oh, was, nice. Yeah. I see it. Kind right. of long. And so that was taken, and, you know, everyone has their own opinions on that, which I, I, I don't mind the slogan, because I like it mm-hmm. um, But Maine was taken, and I felt like it had a nice ring to it. And um, there's apparently some cult or something called The Way. And so sometimes we get asked if we're the main chapter of The Way. I see. But other than that, it's not bad for SEO. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Right. Nice. Okay, great. Well, I love the name. So. Yeah. Oh, thanks, thanks for having us. It yeah, was really fun to so chat. Much. Yeah. This was great. Great yeah. conversation. Good to get to know you guys. Thank you for listening to this episode. If you like what we are doing here at Slow Goods and want to see us grow, please support us by sharing it with someone who may also enjoy it. We would also really appreciate your support by subscribing, following, liking, wherever you can find us on any of the platforms, whether it be uh, anywhere you listen to a podcast or YouTube or Instagram or something like that. We'd love to hear from you, you know, what you really liked, how can we improve, who you want us to interview. And, uh, we would just be really appreciate any any of that support and and advice and encouragement. So thank you very much.